Back on into Breathing New Life, a podcast exploring and rediscovering new metal past, present, and future. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy. I'm your other host, Tom. And today we got a special guest returning to the pod. Welcome me back, Zeke from the band 13. How you doing, brother? What up, y'all? I'm glad to be back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. We um, last time we talked, you guys got a lot of stuff going on. Um, new music coming out. You guys had a couple shows. Uh, two-piece at the time. Uh, so yeah. now you're back with some updates. We'd love to kind of hear what's going on with you, with the band, uh, what we can expect oh, yeah. from 13 going forward, man. Yeah, now I got a, a whole slew of updates. I am a one-piece band now. Um, I moved to a different state after 10 years living in Texas and uh, just had my first uh, live stream show of the year few days ago actually this past tuesday on the 13th no less um and been in the studio making the next album uh we had just released our album seven on october 13th of this past year and uh yeah just taking it a day at a time one step at a time yeah right on man so yeah and and i just went on your facebook page earlier and i you moved up to st louis you're in uh st louis now yeah. So, so what, we, uh, what brought you up there? So pretty much uh, I had found myself in a situation where um, Texas was no longer affordable. Um, it became more costly to stay in the state because we had to move regardless out of our house. Um, it became more pricey to stay in the state than it was to move somewhere else. And we had already been eyeing uh, St. Louis for a little bit. So just decided now now's the time i guess so uh me and my wife packed up all of our stuff and uh drove 12 hours and now we're out here st louis i haven't quite gotten a, a feel for the music scene out here yet but i am uh currently a bit more focused on uh, live stream projects at the, at the moment um you know being a one-piece band it, it can be a, a bit of a hard sell for like a physical show like in-person show situation um I'll get there. Um, I was finding some, I was breaking some good ground in the, uh, the like, um, kind of alt goth rap scene that's going on in Austin. Um, like there are a lot of like solo rappers that are incorporating screams and metal and like dark emotional lyrics into their rap music. And me being a one piece band now, like, somehow I was like fitting right in and like I, I don't do rap music I do metal music but that really worked with the kind of like hard edge style that they're going for out there so you know we were we we're doing well out there in uh that budding scene right now but then had to move out here so I'm hoping I can find something similar to that in the St. Louis area but uh so far I haven't gotten to know many musicians that are out here I work with a couple of them but we're all like everyone where I work that has like musicians uh, as employees, we're all in different genres, like, like two different, like we couldn't play at each other's shows. Um, but 
I really uh, believe in the versatility now of, of, you know, heading this on myself. And I'm hopeful that I'll be able to find a place where I fit in out here. Just going to take some time, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I can I can definitely relate as uh, me being in a band coming from Colorado out to Florida in the Orlando area and really trying to get a feel of the music scene. Uh, it just takes time, um, which I'm, I'm sure you'll have no problem eventually. Just, you know, it'll it'll fall into place for you um it's interesting about the live stream so is that more of like a q a do you do any um any like do you play any music live because i see that a lot now where if you go like on twitch or other websites such as that they have it to where people are just playing live and and people join the uh the video just to kind of see them um you know perform uh what, what do you what do you plan on your live streams being like yeah, I mean, uh, this live stream I just did was like, um, you know, I was performing live. I picked the set. Um, granted, my phone died pretty much right as the last song ended. So I, we didn't get to do like a Q&A or talking to the fans section, unfortunately. Um, you know, we tried to do another stream after that and chill out with people. But I mean, they had, they had already, you know, gone to bed by that point, like. Yeah, so probably uh, my next step in improving the live streams is going to be getting a new phone, because um, one that requires a uh, like wireless charging pad to charge it isn't going to cut it. Um, yeah, my phone is like super old, but yeah, the live streams I I really enjoy. Like, it it feels a lot like being my own boss, you know, because like. I could book a show and go to the venue and like, it'll be a good time for sure. And I'll sell some merch and all that. And I'll get to like, see my fans in person. Um, but doing the live stream version of that, it's like, you know, we don't need a venue. We've got the infinite landscape of the internet. And, you know, uh, this, this live stream is like, you know, where my fans, you know, across the world, not just in my local area, but across the world can come in and, and watch and have fun and engage with the band. And like, I try to talk to uh, fans, you know, in between songs or like, I there was even a, a part halfway through the set where a fan was like, you needed to take a break, drink some water. Um, like, they framed it like they were looking out for my safety, but I think they also just wanted to talk to me. So, you know, I was like, cool yeah I'll, I'll take a i'll take a breather and chat with y'all for a bit that was fun um but yeah i've also been doing this thing where like uh after the set because i i did this uh this recent stream was a, a live show the one before it was on the release date of our album seven october 13th i did a, a live stream performance just like this but it was the entirety of the new album that i performed which is nice famously what i do for every album the day it's released i'll perform the entire thing either on live stream or you know in person live um and yeah uh started doing this thing where like uh post show talking to the the crowd the chat um you know pan the camera over to the tv and i'm playing some video games and just chatting with them you know um last time i think we played sonic frontiers this most recent one uh I played a bit of Kingdom Hearts, one of the Kingdom Hearts games. Um, and yeah, it's just been, it's been a good time. I like having the freedom and the versatility to like pick my set however long I want it to be 
and know that you know people will come in and enjoy it's also like doing the live streams is finally like my parents can come in and see what i do like you know uh, we all live in different states so uh like it's hard for them to come to my shows and this is finally a way they can do that so um yeah it's just a good time all around gonna do it some more as we go on yeah and and i'd I'd have to say that you know the music landscape is kind of changing to where there's just different types of platforms and, and as you've kind of stated being online your reach is literally worldwide which is yeah. nice. And so while you're trying to kind of get started up in St. Louis, in the meantime, your fan base can still stay connected with you. Um, I just I just think that's awesome. And and also too, it gives you that, you know, that direct one-on-one relationship with them through chat. And uh, yeah, I just think that's awesome. And yeah, um, that's just something to where it can keep your fan base and grow it while you're still trying to establish yourself in a new city. So I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And um, kind of interesting, you're talking about gaming. I think Tom can kind of speak to that. <laughs> Tom does a little bit yeah. of live stream, live uh, stream gaming as well. Um, yeah. I think Zeke recognizes that a lot of my posts on Facebook and whatnot. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's one of the things too. Like I, I, I guess I can speak a little bit to this is, you know, talk, talking about, being a Twitch viewer and streamer and whatnot, and not just finding other gamers on, on streaming, but I definitely did find a lot of musicians and whatnot, uh, some of my favorite. And it's not really like rock and metal stuff. It's actually a lot of like dance music stuff that I found that I actually enjoyed watching DJs play and everything like that on Twitch and, and kick. So yeah, those are the, those are, those are cool. So it's, it's good that streaming is really has been enabling that. Obviously one of the big reasons why is, is pretty much since uh, you know pandemic 2020 shut down a lot of live music venues and live music performances, and it was one of the ways that people could keep up with that stuff. And I think in a ways it also expanded a lot of the audiences for a lot of these performers as well. Yeah, well, uh, back in 2020 when the pandemic was going on, um, that same year we were releasing our fourth album, The Blood on the Wall. Um, and up until that point, we had the expectation of the album release show is going to be at a physical venue. Uh, we're going to play the whole album live for people in person. But then, you know, with the venues all being like either uh, falling out of business or just shut down temporarily till the end of the, the pandemic, we were like, we've we've got no option. We've, we have to do this on a live stream. And so that was the first time we did that for one of the uh, album release shows. Um, October 13th, 2020, we live streamed it to Facebook. Um, I can't remember if we live streamed it to YouTube as well. I think we tried to, there were, there were multiple platforms that we were going to live stream to, but I think at the time, the only one that was handling us sustainably was um, Facebook. And so like we streamed it there, but then we also had a professional, um, a professional cameraman on set, like, filming you know hd footage to be edited later into a long form uh video uh we do this for every release show uh you know october 13th the show happens on halloween uh we drop the uh the full length video of the entire performance um and yeah we uh we're still keeping that going seven albums in we got six more uh six more years six more albums left to do uh 
and it, it's been wild keeping up with this like i didn't i didn't think i could do it it just is so much work and takes so much like focus and and uh you know putting pieces into place uh but we've done this so many years in a row now that it kind of just you know naturally fits together i guess yeah and, and with the songwriting process i think we talked a little bit last time i mean obviously it's mostly all of you so now that you are truly a one-man band um yeah that's got to be a lot of work because you got to come up with all the parts you got to do the mixing the mastering um just every aspect where i think it's it's there's definitely pros and cons to it i mean definitely the pros is you get it exactly how you want it to sound um it is what you want and and when you release that so um i guess with with that um what do you think is the new challenge as far as recording this new music is there anything different than you've done before um what, what's the approach going yeah. forward um so every album up to this point has uh in some way or another had material uh within it that dates as far back as when i first conceptualized this band in high school i think it was uh, around like 2006 was when like the first version of 13 ever existed and back then i had songs like asylum xyz ugly um you know uh breaking through bunch of the old old material um even our newest album seven had some material that dates you know even further back than that even back when i was in middle school just like thinking of stuff to write into songs before it had any sort of name or identity um but going forward there's a there's a lot less of that like i'm starting to have to you know pull from places other than the origins of 13 and i i think as i'm going forward i'm going to be taking uh pieces of memories from like other projects that i've done that unfortunately are no longer you know around or you know it don't exist currently in some form um in a way it kind of feels like i'm re rewriting pieces of my history to create a new future um which is probably the most Kingdom Hearts thing I've ever said in my life. Um, I've been playing those games a lot, actually. I've been <laughs> just marathoning through all of them. And yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot how much I, I loved playing these what games. Was it like 28 of them or some shit like that? There's a lot more than people think. That's the thing, those some, Kingdom Hearts I, games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have a, a this, this uh, game that I have is a collection of all of the games leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, and like three of them aren't even like three of the games that are included aren't even games they're just the all of the cut scenes so you get all of the story because yeah. either the game is like it you know felt redundant including it because it was on like the ds or the 3ds or whatever um or like they just didn't want you to have to play through something they weren't proud of the end result of i know at least one of those games i was like why'd they even make this but at least it was only the one um <laughs> But yeah, the the rest of them, there's like seven fully playable games on this collection. Or yeah, it's like six or seven, I think. Um, and I just finished all of them. So now I got to track down a copy of Kingdom Hearts 3. Finally say that I've, I've played through all of them. Well, most of them. The ones that weren't available to play, I just had to watch. Like, I, I, I know what those games are, I guess. 
sure <laughs> but whatever i played through the good ones we'll just say that there you go <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's all you can do is live vicariously through somebody else's you know experience at that point right 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 it's also like playing through these games has kind of like revealed things to me about like where um the imagination that i pull the uh, story bits of the band comes from because i've been told a lot like this the the story you're writing is uh crazy and all over the place it reminds me of kingdom hearts and i always took that as a compliment and so like playing through these games i'm like yeah i see a lot of like you know i ideas that i've put into the story of 13 coming from the inspiration that, that you know these games had on me as a child because like I, the first kingdom hearts game i played when i was like 10 years old and to this day i think it's just a masterpiece of a game um that and like majora's mask legend of zelda um the sonic adventure games like i could go on so many games have like inspired me creatively both in music and you know the visual aspect of this art so yeah that's really cool because definitely as far as kind of lyrical um inspiration people drag it uh, draw from all over the place so i think that that's that's a cool uh area to kind of pull that from um yeah and so uh going to the new you're you're working on um i i did notice on the latest release stylistically you're kind of branching out we were talking about that last time as well so do you have kind of like a preconceived idea as to what direction you want to go or is it just kind of like whatever kind of creative creativity comes out like do, do you is it a set plan or is it just kind of like let's see where it goes so there are things in the plan you know for the future that are you know perfectly set and there are things that are loose enough to where we won't know what they look like or sound like until we get there. Um, as far as like what we're doing with this current era of 13 goes is uh, so every all of the characters and story that we've had from uh, albums one through six, we're putting that aside right now and we're focusing on a new cast of characters at a different time period. Um, so with seven, this is the story of um, a out in the desert in a tower. There's a prince who is uh, held captive there and has been his whole life. And he is sat in a circle in the sand in the tower because that will keep the souls floating above him alive and free and happy. And this is the role placed upon him by his caretaker um, who, you know, turns out to be a, a, a villain in the end. And while he takes this duty respectfully, he does yearn to know what sort of things exist in the world outside. And then one day, a girl bursts into the tower, like breaks a hole in the wall, and tells him, you got to come with me. I need you to come with me. And, um, you know, instantly he falls in love with her. He wants to go with her, but he's scared of what's going to happen to him if he leaves. And what's going to, you know, he's got to keep the souls floating above him alive. Like, he doesn't want to have that hanging on his conscience. But she, uh, you know, within the song Killing Fear is when she convinces him, like, what you want is right in front of you. You can go get it. You just have to do that, you know. Hmm. And you're not going to know what you're missing 
if you're going to spend the rest of your life being scared and unable to decide. And so he kills his fear and goes out into the sun. And get this, it's burning fucking hot. It is like just burning his flesh, his his pale, never been outside in the sun flesh. Um, and he starts to regret his choice. And then it comes to a head like, I, I can't follow you anymore. I need to go back. And she leaves him behind because, uh, I mean, what else is she going to do? Like, she came out here to find him. She won't go or he won't go with her. So she's got to figure out something else. What that something else is, I mean, we still got a few more albums in this era. We'll get to find that out as we go. But um, he returns to the tower and his caretaker reveals themselves as the villain. Turns out it was all a lie. They didn't need him to uh, keep the souls alive. They just needed him in that tower forever. And they gave him a fake duty to motivate him to stay. And so that culminates in a like a big final boss battle during the song Deception. That's actually the name of the creature that uh, cared for this desert prince, Juno. And Geraldine is the girl that is trying to pull him away from his prison. And uh, in the final hour, she arrives during that final battle to help him win. And as they kill Deception, the tower falls, and he's no longer hurt by the sun. He decides, I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth. Wherever you need me to go, I'm with you. And hand in hand, they run off into the sunset. That's where Seven ends. And this next album begins several years down the line after going with her you know, nearly arriving to their destination. That's where this next album begins. Um, and we did release the first single off the new album called Twisted. That is on our YouTube channel now. That is the uh, opening track to the album. So um, I was going to release a music video for the track Without You off of uh, the album Seven, but uh, there's just a lot that it demands from me editing wise before I can be ready to reveal that. Um, so unfortunately that project is uh, pushed aside for the moment until I can get that figured out. Um, and yeah, I just released the first single off the new album early in, uh, in place of that. So yeah, um, there's a, there's a lot of like, Star Wars-esque, like, episodic, like, placing things on a timeline. Um, that sort of thing has just always fascinated me since I was a, a kid, and I've always wanted to do a project like that, which is why I've decided to confuse all of all of my fans and listeners <laughs> with this uh, convoluted uh, nonsense. But it's fun for me, so that's all that matters. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's an awesome story, man. I, I like the, the storyline with everything. It's funny, you mentioned about Star Wars... Growing up, I remember seeing um, episode four, and I asked my dad when I was a kid, I was like, what is IV? He's like, oh, that's Roman numeral four, so it means part part four. And I'm like, well, this is the first one, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so, so basically, you're doing like an episode like, you know, four through six, and then one through three, seven through nine, kind of like like in, in that timeline, so to speak? Yeah. 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 Um, the, the first four albums are – a continual story but the chapters are out of order mm. so like you know it's not even like a you know chronological thing like it's like i think the the first one on the timeline is like 
uh, our second album, Sick, and then it goes our fourth album, The Blood on the Wall, and then our first album, Asylum, and then our third album, Impure. And that's like a, a straight timeline of events right there. Cool. Um, and then um, albums five and six, like they're they're kind of like they're in they're set in the same universe maybe some years have passed but both of these albums are happening at, at the same time as each other so there there's kind of like different arcs of the uh 13 timeline that you know kind of separate things into different pieces so now we're on a different arc we're on a third arc that is completely different characters in a completely different time period you know possibly even a different location who knows um but you know like even further down the line than that like i've got ideas for what i want the last arc of the the band's timeline to be um with like the the 10th 11th 12th and final 13th album um those ones are going to be the hardest to write for sure because i have the least amount of pre-written material for those um granted i'm not out of ideas uh i just have i just don't have much solidly like ready to go quite yet but i've got plenty of time till then um but yeah album eight uh is going to be it's going to be hard hitting it's going to be out there it's going to be uh you know atmospheric and maybe slightly weird um but it is what i want it to feel like is a, a crushing weight of what at times feels like hopelessness but at times feels like um you know uh re like revenge out of anger like the feeling of fighting back against that hopelessness um and it's it's gonna be a wild ride from start to finish i'm also starting to get like like genre wise like dipping more into my past uh with being a metalcore musician uh injecting some of that uh into the established uh unmetal sound that we already have um because the thing about unmetal as opposed to new metal with our genres we don't want to be stuck to one genre we want to bring in several and mix it all up like i always loved new metal as a genre because it would take like a band like il nino would take latin music and turn it metal a band like static x would take industrial music and make it metal and it's also like this brand of metal that is like um you know almost savage caveman like with its simplicity but its crushing nature and you know, I've always loved all of that shit, and I want to go, you know, way harder into, like, the metalcore, deathcore, the emo, the screamo, the industrial, the, you know, I want to bring back some of that weird 90s alt-rock type of style, like the Smashing Pumpkins type of weird uh, experimentation, but I also don't want it to be completely and utterly boring for the, the listener, you know, uh, not saying that they are, but, like, you know, every now and then in any in any band's record where they care deeply about the artistry of what they're doing eventually you come across a song where you're like that's cool but skip it uh oh this song's good this song's kind of meh skip it um 
like I try I try to make it so that the listener has to do that as little as possible while still getting as much of the artistry out that I want to pretentious as it might be you know because there's always some level of pretension with trying to be a real artist you know um yeah <laughs> I mean it, it's your craft man I mean you gotta love it and, and it's your baby you gotta take good care of it and you want the best possible product out there man so I totally get that and I think that a lot of new metal listeners like Tom and I man like we're big metalcore guys and and I think and I can probably speak for Tom here um when it comes to new metal one of the things that drew me in growing up when it first came out is the fact that it just took so much of different genres and styles and sounds and i mean even even like as far as like the image i mean you look at slipknot look at you you know like like with with 13 with the mask then you have other guys that exactly which is a cool look you know and then you have other guys that are just straight up preppy looking it just it was just basically like a genre for all people and anything goes and that's what i'm kind of excited for you know to listen about your new material and and all of your stuff because you're not afraid to kind of pull in different influences and try different things. So I, I try not to laugh and you're like, I hope my fans aren't going to get bored. I'm like, if, if you're going to be pulling in all this different stuff, it's like a lot of variety. Like I, I can't see how they would be bored. Um, I, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, very much looking forward to that, man. Hell yeah. The, the thing about variety is um, we're like, cause a lot of bands will try to, to make it like, obvious like i've i've seen plenty of bands where like they'll be doing like a like a thrashy sort of thing and then suddenly it's a lounge song and then suddenly it's like you know fat breakdowns and then it becomes like some other genre and it's like it it's you know the sudden shift is cool but there's also something cool about it being so subtle that you that you almost don't notice it and it almost just sounds like have I discovered a different approach to this metal thing when really it's, you know, something else that I've just dressed up like it's metal? Yeah, um, I would say it's almost kind of like a like 12 foot ninja, but it's just like right. it, it's it's a little bit more seamless between the transitions. Right, right. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, this this small section here is based on this song from this artist that sounds absolutely nothing like what you're hearing. Uh, but then this section here is clearly influenced by like you know this band and this band mixed together and it, but it all flows seamlessly within one cohesive thing um you know which that that's one thing that like the the more adhd sounding uh musicians that you know uh write their songs in a structure like i described earlier you know very quickly shifting genres that it, that is certainly an interesting approach um but it's it's also one approach of many like i i enjoy taking that idea and making it so much more of a subtle thing um because one thing that 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 their approach lacks is a feeling of um you a feeling of consistency like in within the song you know mm-hmm. maybe it feels more consistent across the album because they've done this this approach for multiple songs and that aspect of it feels consistent but within the song like to change genre and for the listener to not even notice it is kind of it's it's weird and in a way it's kind of uh impressive you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like 
cause, especially because music listeners are sharp. Like I, these days I, I struggle to think of a, a way to like, well, how do I, how would I impress a listener today in the age of like Sleep Token and Spirit Box and Bad Omens and like, you know, all the bands that are popular currently. And I, I like all those bands, but they seem to be playing to something very specific that listeners are listening for. And, you know, while that is a, a popular, I, I wouldn't call all three of those bands like a style, a genre, but like the, you know, generally that kind of sound that those bands fit into, mm-hmm. like, while that is extremely popular right now, and, uh, you know, it, I know not everyone is listening for that specific thing that they're doing. You know, a lot of people are coming into the fandoms of those bands from the fandoms of other bands. Like, I heard Bad Omens, and I was like, wow, they sound a lot like Bring Me the Horizon. I should listen to this. And, uh, yeah, no, I I think they're all great bands. I think more than anything, it, it speaks to how weird the landscape of metal and rock music is today. Because we are in the, the far, far late stages of music um, adapting to life on the internet. Um, you know, we're, we're, damn, we're like 20 years since Lars raged out at fucking <laughs> Napster, you know, yeah. like yeah. we're, we're so far down the line now. And it's like, um, you know, especially with like how much social media has um, shifted the course of, of the social landscape and uh, you know, uh, world events like the pandemic have, you know, also contributed to that. It's the the social aspect of music has changed so much that the music aspect of music has also changed. Um, And, you know, not only that, but like having to play to like algorithms on Spotify, YouTube, all the music platforms like that has, um, you know, shifted the goals for musicians in the current day. Um, It's interesting. It's a little depressing and it's definitely confusing. Um, but as far as 13 is concerned and all of that, uh, I, I just write what I like and I play what I like. That's all that has ever mattered to me. Like, I don't give a fuck about the algorithm. Um, like, I feel like if I spent my whole career, uh, worrying about what the algorithm felt about me, I would never be happy. So that's why I kind of just, you know, take whatever, whatever we get and not exactly like putting in the most effort to pull in every soul on earth into our fandom but just you know we're here we're making the music and if you like it cool we'll hang out if you don't like it whatever enjoy listening to whatever else you like it doesn't bother me i just hope you're having a good time yeah yeah. exactly yeah it's a lot more enjoyable when you're making music that you want to make you're not feeling like i have like you're saying like fall into an algorithm or this sounds popular let's follow this trend it just yeah i'm i'm kind of with you on that man like when it comes to making music if if you don't love it like it's going to come across as genuine and is are people going to like it as much as if you were just forcefully trying to make a certain sound you know so uh nothing but respect on that man yeah that's that's awesome yeah, thank you. I, uh, you know, I think a lot about people's relationship to music and, um, 
you know, I, even outside of, like, how it affects me personally, because, like, I know that uh, there's there's a certain amount of people that look at musicians in general, like, we're not contributing enough to the society we live in. Like, I remember a friend of mine um, back in the day, like, was in just a friendly conversation with a guy, but he was, like, an older guy, and, uh, you know the guy was asking like what do you do for a living and he's like oh you know i'm a you know i work at this and that i do this but i i'm also a musician uh and like kind of ignoring the first couple things he said about the where he was working like for money um he was like oh so you're a musician so you don't contribute to society it's like what the fuck does that mean like and this is this is back out in my in my hometown um which out you know out in the bay area in the like the east bay area there's some good places there for musicians but is it a music town like austin purports to be no mm. so you know um in fact like i remember when i lived out there um that was one of the reasons why i felt so emboldened to go move to texas uh one of the reasons anyway was that the the musicians i had met out there touring um like they were so chill and they didn't care if like you sounded like x or y like we're gonna drink some beer and eat some pizza and fucking party um back in the bay area around that time there was a lot of like animosity based on your genre based on your looks based on who's in your band and who they know and what they're like like it was so draining um so yeah that's what like music cities are way more important than people realize um i know it doesn't seem like it to people who aren't musicians or who just aren't in that bubble but music is a uniting force um that has been taken for granted year after year after year and it's no wonder why everything seems to be going to shit out in the real world like the more we've undervalued music, the shittier it feels like things have gotten. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a musician. But, man, I don't know. Like, I just I just want to play. Yeah, just, That's I, all I care about. It blows my mind that somebody would say that, you know, you're not contributing to society with music. I, the yeah. first thing that would come to my mind is, all right, well, imagine a life without music. And tell me if that's any added value or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I just, I, I can't imagine a world without music. And, um, you know, speaking as far as to the cities and every, you know, like different scenes, that's absolutely right, man. Um, you have to look geographically, you know, how far are you from different cities? Where's your reach? And then in addition to that, um, you know, there's been stories of other bands where, you know, they might be from like Tennessee or somewhere where, you know, country music's huge and there just was no room for them for whatever reason, like in, in the metal community, or it just wasn't that big. Um, and that's why yeah. obviously you have moved. That's why I moved down to Orlando. Um, Denver had a great metal scene, but it just, we were just there. We couldn't really expand and eyes weren't on Denver at the time. Eyes were, you know, Dallas, Chicago, um, Florida. Right. I mean, God, countless bands come out of here. So uh totally hear totally hear you on that. But yeah. Um and I really feel that 
I'm kind of with you in, in the sense that with a lot of people, I don't think they value music or understand the work and, and the effort that goes into it. And I, I think a lot of, and I'm just generally speaking. So like, I'm not trying to like, you know, offend like <laughs> a, a large group of people here, but um, right. I, I feel that they just, they, they kind of just, take good music for granted and they're just also just they're i think they're just just satisfied with just you know whatever may come out i mean we tom and i had an uh, episode last year on ai ai starting to kind of come into the mix where literally i could be sitting right here pull up a program and then just make this whole song and not even play you know not even play one riff on a guitar it's just it's all generated and um, I don't know about you, but me personally, like that is a, a grave concern. While it may sound good, it's not it's not genuine. It's not from the heart. It, there, there's, you know what I mean? It's not real. Right. Um, and that's just that's my concern. And, and I just hope that more people kind of start waking up to that and realize that yeah. real music is needed. Live shows are needed. Um, this is not something that should be taken for granted. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've definitely come out against AI, uh, art in more than a couple of occasions. Uh, I've ruffled some feathers on that front. I, it's, it's weird. Cause like, I know people who are artists who aren't viewing this as like a, as like a threatening thing and like maybe threatening isn't the right word, but it's like, there's. I've already seen the ways in which the uh, inclusion of generative AI art has degraded the art landscape. For example, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, so the generative AI has been, a, 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 in art, has been a thing for like a year or so now, maybe, maybe longer. Um, I can't remember, even longer if you trace back, like when the first few like pieces of AI art you know, came out, like, I remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at, and it, it was just an AI-generated abstract art, it was like a, you know, um, like, like a Jackson Pollock almost, but, like, just the way that it looked when you took in the, the closer, finer details was just off, like, off to an uncomfortable degree, so, you know, years later, we're at the point we're at now where like people can just be like, you know, um, like you, you type in Charizard eating, uh, you know, a watermelon and it'll just poof. There it is. It's a Charizard eating watermelon, but like, you know, still you take in those, those smaller, finer details and things are just off Mm -hmm. to an uncomfortable degree. And, you know, that is a particularly innocent uh, use of generative AI art, relatively speaking, to be like Charizard with a watermelon. It's another thing when it's like I want a I want a specific piece. Like, give me this uh, Amazon warrior lady with a sword and make it in the style of this particular artist. And it's like you could have just asked that artist to draw it for you. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that aspect to it. Um, there's also like the thing I fear is when like, especially in music, when people are like AI generating 
songs by like Korn or Mudvayne and being like, this is a new song, go check it out. Because I remember back in the LimeWire days, <laughs> uh, you would search songs by those bands yep. and you'd get like, oh, this, yeah. And you know it's not even them. <laughs> it's not even them. Yep. Oh, damn, you're telling me Korn and Slipknot and Mudvayne and Disturbed collabed on a track and, and this is what it sounds like? And it's like an ad for some fucking like scam website. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Um, that's actually how I discovered uh, Seated Crown. That uh, oh old, nice uh, yeah those those boys are from band. Florida yeah yeah yep. yeah I I, I discovered them I discovered them via uh ooh corn collabs with Corey Taylor from Slipknot and it's that uh first track off of that Seated Crown EP and it's like I can see how they thought that's what that sounded like I could see exactly how I thought that's what it sounded like but I mean you listen to it close enough it's definitely not them right. Uh, uh, I, I even stumbled upon Sepultura in that same way. But, um, yeah, like, the, the generative AI thing is a very complicated issue. I, as an artist, am, you know, finding myself less and less okay with it. I think I've seen ever two examples of, uh, of generative AI being used in a way that I kind of agree with. And one of them was a music video by a YouTube channel that they write rap songs and they animate via 3D models and stuff like that. The, the music videos for the rap songs. Uh, but the rap songs are in uh, the character of SpongeBob and the gang. So they use the generative AI to uh, rap in the character's voices the lyrics that he wrote. Right. So... I'm kind of like, you know, he wrote the music. He just changed the voice to sound like those voice actors. Now, granted, it might have been cooler for them to, like, get that work. Like, like, but who's going to who's gonna be, like, running a YouTube channel by themselves and be like, I'm going to get Tom Kenny to, like, rap for me. Like, there's so much, like, bureaucratic red tape that you'd have to go through to even get that kind of a connect. Mm -hmm. So... I, I can kind of see, like, if you're just taking popular characters and, like, you know, using their voice to sing songs that you wrote, that you yourself have written, I don't see that as, as much of a problem as, like, telling an AI, hey, write me a song and then perform it and then post it. Like, that's not, that's not you being an artist. That's you being a lazy fuck, in my opinion. Um, the other thing that I heard recently was some so uh we all remember you know i think it was like a year or so ago that shooting that happened in Uval in uvalde texas where the cops just like didn't do shit mm -hmm. and all those kids got hurt um the families of some of the kids uh collaborated with a group to use generative ai to uh make a mock-up make mock-up audio of their kids who were murdered in that shooting to tell like congressmen and senate like people in charge of this shit you know i was a child in uvalde texas i got murdered you need you need to fucking act and it's wow. like that is some insane heavy shit like these these parents lost their child and here they are like creating audio of their child via AI 
to haunt the people with power to fix the situation that got them killed. Like, that's that's crazy, man. Like, that this is the time we're in now. Like, and, you know, as, as creepy as, as that whole thing is, this is, like, probably the, the most, like, understandable version of that i could i could see being one of those parents and being like yeah i'm i'm going after i'm i'm going after these ghouls who let my kid get fucking slaughtered like i'll you know if i have to haunt them in their dreams with the voice of my now deceased child to get them to get off their fucking asses and and make our school safer then yeah i'll do it you know like i can see being that parent but we know that later down the line, this is going to be used for nefarious purposes. And I think it's going yeah. to more often be used for nefarious purposes in that way, because how many justifiable things can you do with generative AI? Honestly, like we don't even know. We're just seeing the, the, the first examples of what can be done with the technology. And, you know, only time will show what, will be done with the technology and i uh i worry a lot about what that will be um but yeah sorry to get all like heavy on y'all out of nowhere but no man we're just, just we're just I'm... shooting the breeze with you it's all good yeah 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 <laughs> now this is this is something that fascinates me um terrifies me in a lot of ways and like you know i i try to stay informed on all the crazy weird shit that's happening but it does uh it does tend to weigh on the soul you know yeah absolutely yeah so um tom i've been talking a lot man i'm sorry for uh for blocking you out bud you gotta oh no it's <laughs> no it's all good i mean um it's just been uh i'm sorry i'm also kind of it's it's like really freaking cold uh today and i'm in my basement so i'm kind of just chilling and just literally chilling getting chilly here so uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I've just been sitting back and, and, and I mean, you guys have been going back and forth and that's cool and all that stuff. And I got in, you know, what I want to uh, ask and talk about and everything like that. And uh, I mean, this has been a really good op- uh, interview so far and whatnot. So uh, however long, whatever, however much more we, we go with it, it's all good. Cool. Yeah, man. No, no that, that's good. Um, no, we, we, we've covered a lot. Um, I was going to say, really, man, just uh, again, we're, we're looking forward to all the new material, the live streams, um, we'll definitely help plug that on our page. Uh, love to go check that out sometime. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, so, I mean, obviously we know, you know, you've moved to a new city, you got, uh, material coming, um, live streams. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to plug or, or let everybody else know about the, what, what's, what's on deck? Um, Let's see. Yeah, we got the live streams. We got the uh, album coming October 13th. Same day every year, October 13th. New album. I like that, until yeah. We've got, until we've got 13 of them. Same day every year. Um, what else? Yeah, I'm in St. Louis now. Um, and been playing Kingdom Hearts a lot. Um, I'm excited for uh, Sonic 3, the movie Sonic 3. Yeah, um, dude, I saw it. Yeah, the preview. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, super fucking stoked to see shadow the hedgehog on screen um they got a remake of sonic generations coming out and they're adding like uh shadow gets his own story and like i think they're i think it's gonna be like a retelling of his entire like backstory within the lore of the uh sonic universe so 
I'm beyond stoked for that. It looks fucking amazing. Uh, they're kind of doing a thing with, with that, um, similar to, like, there was a Mario game that came out a few years ago. It was, like, Bowser's Fury, um, which was, like, a, they included that with a, uh, a remastered port of uh, Super Mario 3D World, which that game is fantastic, hands down. Like, if you're ever going to introduce a new person to, like, a Mario game, like, un unless you're going for specifically, like, this is what I was nostalgic for as a kid. Mm -hmm. If you're showing someone, like, a, a good Mario game for, like, where the series is at now, it that game is the one. Um, Super Mario 3D World. But if you really want to wow them, Mario Odyssey is also an incredible, incredible game. Um, but, yeah. Um, I could go on about video games all fucking day. <laughs> I have not... I, I still haven't picked up the Metal Gear Solid collection that recently came out. Still a little bummed that they went with the PS1 version of Metal Gear Solid 1 when there's, like, a perfectly good, uh, you know, remake that graphically is more consistent with the other two games on the collection that they just, I don't know, they just won't port that version of the game. It sucks. Mm. It's the best one, but mm. whatever. Um, what else? What else? Not well, some people still have just a uh, nostalgia for just the PS1 version, just as is. That's part of oh, the thing, yeah. maybe. Yeah, because I remember playing that game. I liked it a lot. Yeah, the PS1. Yeah, yeah. I I have nostalgic for it too. Um, I think though, there's like ways to play it that weren't this most recent collection. You know, like. But then again, like this is. I think this was mostly just them getting these games on Switch finally because like yeah you could play it on playstation already you could probably play some of them on xbox already but yeah uh just didn't have it on switch yet i i still got to pick it up actually <laughs> i just, i know i said that a moment ago i think mario versus donkey kong just came out yesterday and that's a game i'm excited for because i i played that on game boy emulator so much when i was a teenager um and I'm trying to think what else is there? Um, something that isn't video games. <laughs> that can be whatever, man. I, you don't feel bad because my mind's on video games too right now still, okay? So, like, I, like, I, oh, sorry. I was just saying, like, every day, every day I want to come home and just play games with my friends, man. I'm, you know, I'm mainly a PC yeah. gamer and shit, though, so I'm really excited about this game uh last epoch coming out on uh it's got a 1.0 release finally on wednesday i've been playing the early access version for like two years but it's it's coming out on it's full release coming out on wednesday finally and that's been on my mind for the last few days and everything like that so i'm hyped up for that myself so don't feel bad man I mean, we're all gamers we understand that shit yeah my my brain is a never-ending loop of uh Adidas by corn, but it's all day I dream about video games. <laughs> <laughs> it's all day I dream about gaming. <laughs> Have you played um Pal World yet? No, everybody has. I've heard it's really but, good. Yeah, I uh it's not it's one of those things where I saw people play it and it hasn't been exactly my thing. Now I was never a big uh, Pokemon guy, so maybe that's part of the problem. Um that's why a lot of people say it's a lot, you know, obviously it's a very pretty much almost like a parody of Pokemon, like to a degree, yeah. yeah. So, but I, like I, the other big one that I saw a lot of uh, fellow PC gamers playing is Shrouded, which is kind of like a crafting survival type of game. And uh, I don't know if it's crafting survival necessarily, but yeah, it's that's another big one. But I don't know. There's 
a lot of different things, but yeah, my big thing is Last Epoch, man. I, it's a Diablo-like game, uh, action RPG, uh, very much like uh, Diablo Three, I guess I would say. It's nice. It's it's very very fun if you can if you if you play like Diablo Three um, and hate Diablo Four, then yeah, you should probably play Last Epoch. For sure, I was I was gonna ask if you played Diablo Four. I haven't played either of them, but I know that like. Diablo 4 was a game people have been waiting for for a while. The problem is that I only played Diablo 4 in its beta state when it was free. I didn't want to pay $70 for a brand new game. That's, as much as I understand that, you know, I still actually, even given how, like, given the price of inflation and given the amount of money put into the production of video games, all that $70 isn't really all that bad of a, of a price, you know, compared to, like, Typical AAA games are you know around sixty dollars or whatever. I still didn't want to pay it. I'll be honest because it's still such a heavy investment for something you cannot get your money back on. So yeah, I yeah. I don't mind paying like I don't mind like being one of those like patient frugal gamers where I wait until there's something on sale. I mean I bought last Epoch on sale. But it was only like a twenty percent off sale at the time, and one of the few times that that game has ever been on sale. But I mean that was like twenty, so it was like twenty eight dollars at the time, and it was completely, um, you know, worth it for me. But I'm just like I buy a lot of cheap games because it's just you. Part of the thing about you know the landscape of uh, of digital of digital distribution of games right now is like you pretty much have no next to no ability to return it and get your money back. I mean, like on Steam, yeah, you can pay, you can play it only for like a couple of hours or whatever, and still get your money back, but. For most for most places, it's like you're you're kind of SOL. So like, yeah, it's it's you get it's too easy to have buyer's remorse, and I and that's something I'm not a very fan of a very big fan of that feeling. Yeah, and and like GameStop will do the thing where like you'll buy a seventy dollar game, and then if you take it home and there's like, you know, it like you played it, it's fine. You just want to give it back because you didn't enjoy it. And then, you know, oh, yeah, that $70 game that just came out today, I'll give you six bucks for it. Yeah, mm. my, my, my son does that all the time. Uh, he, sucks. he gets it for a fraction of the cash, man. It's almost, it's almost like a car leaving a dealership. As soon as it leaves, it depreciates oh, yeah. at least by, like, 50%. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts how much GameStop yeah. will give you next to nothing for it. It's like, obviously, you're not looking for full value, but, man, throw me a bone here, dude. Right, yeah. and it's also, like... Um, the AAA developers aren't like seeing their games through either. Like the the whole cyberpunk thing. I remember No Man's Sky back in the day. The the GTA Definitive Edition on Switch that had all the glitches and bugs that didn't used to be there before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and and then they expect you to take it with a smile when you're told like, oh yeah, you can't return the seventy dollar game that you just bought. Yeah. Or whatever. I mean, I know they have like a return policy or whatever. But it, like you said, like it it being purchased at all makes it depreciate value, and then when it gets brought back, it just gets put on the used game shelf, mm-hmm. you know. And like, sure, somebody else can come in and buy it at a lower price now that it's on the used game shelf. But um, you know, when they're done with it and they bring it back, it's going to become even less valuable. And just cycle continues. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that's why I wish. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, no! You, you go ahead. You go. Oh, all I want to say is I wish that that you know game demos still existed so that people can still get a chance to play a game for a little bit to see if it's even freaking worth it. 
like game companies don't do that it's all about you get you buy you get it all or nothing type of deal like yeah the only way you're gonna know if you're gonna like it is if you're gonna play it and not many companies have any kind of free demos there's i mean they start to do some people do some free weekends and all that stuff like that but it's still like for the amount of games out there it's a very small percentage of games that a lot that they a lot of them only do that after they don't like reach the sales that they're looking for so it's like they 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 try to get customers in by giving them something free that they probably could have gotten a lot more easily in the beginning if they gave uh, a demo right away but that's that's a huge topic there on top of that for me personally to go on about that I, it it does seem like a mark of confidence though when like because when I'm when I'm on my switch and I'm going through the store and I'm looking at I'm looking at games and it's like demo available I'm like okay you believe in your product enough that uh, you think that if I play it for a little bit I'll buy it you know not like I'll play it for a little bit and realize your game fucking sucks you know um, I've I've been seeing I've been seeing um like square enix especially like they've been doing that more with the uh latest final fantasy releases they did um i think it was final fantasy 16 that they did a demo for last year and everyone was saying like this is the best final fantasy ever based on this one demo and like that's that's a heavy claim man especially because the chapter two of uh the seven remake is right around the corner and then that game demo just dropped, and everyone's saying this is the best Final Fantasy ever. And I'm like, okay, well that one I actually believe. So, um, yeah, that's a game I'm super stoked for, but I do not own a PS5, so mm, yeah. I don't know when I'll get to play it. <laughs> um, I have the first chapter on PS4, and I was really hoping they were going to do a PS4 release for this one, but uh, you know, PlayStation with their exclusive bullshit. Yeah, exclusivity. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it was always there in, in consoles. I just don't know why it's such so much more of a uh, of a topic. I mean, growing up in the sixteen bit era, I mean, there was games that were only available on Genesis that were never available on you know or on. But definitely, it came a lot down to like freaking Nintendo. They really tried to monopolize a lot of game developers and publishers back in the day, like. There was like Capcom was a big one. Street Fighter series. They did not want that on any of their competitors' consoles for a long time. So it took a lot for Capcom to be able to get away from or get out of the exclusivity with Nintendo over, so that they could release Street the Street Fighter on Genesis on the Sega console. Finally, that was right. just. Right. But yeah, like exclusivity is a is another huge topic. Whereas like, I don't think people realize how big, how much that's actually been. A, the history of video games in general, but like, oh, yeah. I, it's, it's a tough thing still because people want people, the people are, are investing a little bit more in a lot of ways than they used to. But the exclusivity thing is, is kind of a weird topic. Just, like I said, it's, it's, they are a lot more than people think. Right. Right. Like, and you make a good point that like back in the days of like Sega versus Nintendo, like the exclusivity was like, part of the allure of the console war right you know it like only on sega can you mm-hmm. play sonic and eco the dolphin and like all yeah. the other sega properties like um and then only on nintendo can you play mario metroid zelda you know all that shit and uh, you know back then it was more like which which games which set of games is more your thing 
now it's just kind of like i i think nintendo still does the exclusivity thing right technically because the things that they're exclusive about are their ips on their hardware they're still set on being a console developer and that means that they know what's in their machines they know what they need it to do to run the games that they're most proud of releasing and so like they have that advantage with like playstation and xbox though like these are two like these are two uh family lines of consoles that have you know been back and forth at each other the whole time and like while playstation has held on to a number of exclusives like i don't think you'll ever see ratchet and clank on a xbox um but then there was that weird shit with like the activision uh like activision blizzard acquisition or whatever like Mm -hmm. wasn't there like multiple franchises that were like switching sides like i think like crash and spyro almost became like xbox exclusives and then and then halo almost went over to sony and like that shit's weird yeah but it's like you know it you've got playstation and xbox have been fighting over titles that they largely share like most of those consoles library is the same most of so it's like um it and it doesn't feel like Sony is paying as much attention to making sure that the exclusives are right for the hardware they're they're making because it seems like PlayStation's only goal with every new PlayStation is make it look better, you know, maybe it runs better every time as well, and Xbox, you, you know, they're Microsoft, so like with. With Xbox, it feels like, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it feels like people who are specifically, I'm an Xbox gamer, I only play Xbox, feels like they're a PC gamer that hasn't figured that out yet. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you're in the home of Microsoft, so you should know that there are computers that will run the games you're playing on Xbox even better than Xbox. So, why not just take the next step? But... You know, the other thing about consoles is that they're so based on, like, image. They're so based on aesthetic. Um, And, like, that's worked out really well for Nintendo. In a lot of ways, it's worked out for Sony, too. Um, I'm kind of rambling at this point. um, But, honestly... You're all good, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't don't know where we're still taking everything with this uh, interview here. But it's cool, because, I mean, like, I don't mind talking about video games and all that shit anyways. Uh, so, yeah. um, I was like, I mean, like me and Jeremy have, have talked about that stuff. And when we had my friend Amanda on and everything like that, we mm-hmm. talked about video games and, uh, music and all that shit. So it's like, it's, it's, it is like one of my like two entertainment, whatever, um, passions, you know, obviously video games and music. So it's, it's cool to, to be able to talk about that. And even at the same time, obviously get out of that. Mm-hmm. My dog's trying to get something out of my desk. Uh, yeah, I can I can see him on the on the Billy cam there. Yeah, that's a girl actually, but yeah, that's that's, that's Billy Jean. I'm sorry. I was wondering what the Billy cam was uh, there for. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be for her when she actually sits in the in the in the area. But no, get out of there. She's getting a lot antsy. That's the problem. Uh, I don't know. Um, I I hate to say that maybe would that be a good cue for us to kind of start wrapping things up for this interview? I hate to. To cut anything short i don't know for how long we're going with this uh i'm, I'm cool with whatever 
Uh, it's up to you, Jeremy. I don't know. I'm just happy to be here. No, man. No, no. <laughs> no we're, we're happy to have you. Not like I don't want to do this. It's more like I don't know how long we're, we're, we're going on with this type of deal. I don't know uh, what we were all trying to cover or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, sorry. I, you know, I think I remembered there was there was one more thing I was going to plug before. Um, oh, yeah. Go right ahead. Yeah. It, it was the thing I forgot earlier. In the, yeah. Um, I have a side project with uh, an old bandmate of mine um, who is formerly of the band uh, Aerith Dies. Um, his nice. name is Dylan. Uh, my best friend of all time. We've been friends literally since we were babies. Um he actually used to play guitar for 13 at one point and, and drums as well, uh, different times. Um, but he's getting into, um, he's, he's getting into some, uh, experimentation right now. He, he just finally got garage band and he's finally like taking charge of producing his own music rather than relying on other people to do it. And I'm really proud of him for that. Um, but one of the projects that we did together right before he started doing that is called Quarf. And it is a uh, uh, like a joke band, I guess you could call it a band. It sounds um, like a combination of queef and barf. It's no. actually uh, it, look, look up on Google the definition Q Q W A R F. Yeah, okay. uh, I, 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 the... I I'm familiar with that term. <laughs> okay, this <laughs> is new to me, to... man. I'm like quarf. Like, what a name! Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. We came up with the name and decided that's the name, and then we looked up what it meant. Nice. Uh, yeah. I like it. Uh, yeah, we felt like we had just hit the lottery, but that should I- explain for you exactly how weird and wacky this band is. It's it's me and Dylan just having fun. Uh, he writes the songs and would just bring them to me, and we'd just like, work on fleshing them out together. Uh, and we just came out with uh, an album called straight out of my butt that is the name <laughs> of the album so yeah yeah that fits um, if you, yeah um so yeah if, if you like uh if you like brutal tunes that aren't at all serious and sometimes aren't as brutal as we said they would be um <laughs> yeah look up quarf straight out of my butt love it love it that's awesome <laughs> I'm gonna tell him I, I shouted out Quarf on this uh, on this interview and he's, yes. he's gonna he's gonna go nuts from that. Wonderful, yeah, that's that's yeah. awesome, man. I'm and I'm and as soon as we're done today, I'm gonna Google Quarf and uh, look that up. Don't tell me, I want to be surprised. Mm. Oh, I won't tell should, you. Should we uh, give him the should we give him the one warning you should uh, you should have when it comes to searching this? I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just saying. You might want to use a private browser for that. So that's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not that bad, but I mean, I just don't think you want that in your in your history. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Use a VPN. Yeah. I don't even think it's that crazy, but yeah. I'll just tell my it wife. Is, I'm like, uh, hey, why? I'll just tell Doreen. I'm just blaming on you, Tom. I'm like, hey, Tom told me to go check it out. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you. Uh, you had to tell her that when you looked up Belladonna before, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's all town fault. It'd be funny if uh, she she looks in your history and right before Quarf was uh, what is happening in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this ought to be good, uh, man. Awesome. 
All right, man. Well, Zeke, hey, dude, uh, great time. You, you're always welcome on the podcast, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. We're very much looking forward to the new material. Um, definitely we'll check out your live streams. We'll plug that on our Facebook page as well. Um, but yeah, man, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. I really enjoy coming on y'all's show. Uh, we always have great discussions and, uh, yeah, thanks for giving me a place to talk. I can't wait for the next one. Right on. Right on. All right. And, uh, all right. So does that, uh, cut it off then? Yep. I'd, I'd say that's a wrap, sir. That was, that was right. a good time, man. So yeah, thanks again, buddy. All right. So, um, and, uh, let's get, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tom. I'm Jeremy. And, uh, uh I'm Zeke 13. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Nice. And, uh, well, we'll try, we'll try, uh, I don't want to say that way. Uh, we'll try do another yet a pathetic attempt of, of trying in unison to s sign this off. So here we go. Again. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Zeke, you're perfectly welcome to join us. If you, uh, <laughs> yeah. if you, if you know that, if you, if you know how it goes, you're perfectly welcome to join us in this. I don't. What do I do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you heard, have you heard our sign offs at the end of the episode though? It's, it's uh, been a long time. Well, okay. No, and it's good if you haven't. <laughs> It's, yeah, you know what? Don't, don't even freak out about it. But uh, yeah, just uh, then, then it's fine. Just me and Jeremy on this here. All right, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Zeke, for uh, joining us for his interview here. And uh, just remember, everybody, to keep. Yeah, we're already, we're already uh, yeah well, it's uh, stupid latency of Facebook and shit. Yeah, yeah I just hope. She's keeping new, everybody. Keep, yeah, keep it new. Peace. Later. Keep it new and on metal. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>